Okay, Rob, I am dipping back into the 80s. Um, and this one has some, some action to it. It's got some movement to it. An action-packed theme song. Okay. Yes, it does. You ready? V8? No. Oh, no, Magnum V8. Yes. <laughs> nice. A little Tom Selleck. A little Tom Selleck. Mr. Moustache. What, uh, what, what uh, baseball hat did he wear? He's all- Detroit Tigers? Detroit Tigers. Oh, man, yes. I pulled that out. Yes. Woo. Yeah, I was going to say, no, it wasn't Yankees. Nope. Uh, yeah, he's a tiger fan. Okay, in real yeah. life, Tom Selleck was a tiger fan. No, in the show, guy? he's wearing the tiger hat. Okay, often. Well, yeah, maybe because Tom Selleck loves the tigers. I didn't watch it that much. I hardly ever watched it, but I knew of it. I kind of, yeah. Tom Selleck looked like a pretty cool dude. Whenever I watched the previews, he was often you know? in a Ferrari. Right, he yes. drove a Ferrari. Yes. That, I remember that speeding out. Yeah, that <laughs> was preview. awesome. And then he had like that butler. That kind of had um, what was his name? The very formal, you know, the mustache and the oh gosh, the, was he in a tuxedo all the time? I don't know. I can't remember his name. That was his butler. I don't know. I could be wrong. And then he had a couple buddies. Yeah, he had a couple who, sidekicks. Yeah, yeah. Yep. Private investigator. Well, Magnum PI. It's fitting that we that I I played a little Tom Selleck because we were. We just played Friends a couple weeks ago. And he was in it. And I'm he sure had that. a fairly large role in Friends for a couple of years. Monica's interest. Yeah. Monica's interest, yes. Yeah. Nobody wears a mustache like Tom Selleck. No. Like, seriously, I don't know of anyone else in the entertainment world that wears a mustache like Tom Selleck. Can you? I'm trying to think right now. Um... Like, he is known for that stuff. Well, yeah, it's iconic on him. Um, I don't. Yeah. No, I was going to say like Sean Connery and the beard, but that's a beard. It's a beard. Not, yeah, it's just a mustache. Not a mustache. I, no, a moustache. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Good theme song too. It's a great one, actually. Yeah. And you know, I might have been kind of moving my shoulders a little bit. The beginning as we though, played really it. made me think of uh, a team. I don't know why. Like. Yeah, I I can't. Place a team right now. A team will come in time. It will come. It's only a matter of time. Is it is it B F Baraka? Is that Mr. T? B A B A Baraka. Yeah. Uh, uh, I'm showing my ignorance. A pity the fool. Or was that was that him and uh, yeah? No, Mr. That was that Mr. T and Rocky? No, or that was, was that, Mr. T. That was that was a team. Yeah. yeah okay. Yeah, yeah. Okay. I loved uh, Mr. T. <laughs> Yes. I just thought anybody anybody who wears that much gold and has a mohawk <laughs> is a okay by me. Mohawk. That mohawk, man. Oh my gosh. All right. Let's jump into this. This is Rob and Joel's podcast. Only it's, took us three and a half minutes to introduce ourselves. It's Joel and Rob's podcast. That's what I said. I said Rob and Joel. Oh gosh. Let's go back and replay it. This is Start over. Joel and Rob's yeah. podcast. We are at chapter 16 of we make the road by walking. This chapter is titled, and it's a great title. He had me at the title. 
Keep Herod in Christmas. So it's a little play off the keep Christ, keep Jesus in Christmas. Keep Christ in Christ, Christmas is the phrase that we hear. Yeah, keep, keep Christ um, in Christmas. Which means what to you, by the way? <clears throat> I think it means to... Um, it's a it's a challenge to not let what we're the Christmas season become all about um, uh, the consumerism, cult, the cultural kind of event it is right now, which is and which is uh, Christmas music and everything but Jesus. Gotcha. You know that's how I always, I, I read it. Um, how about you? I've never actually understood what that whole movement is about. Mm-hmm. I mean, absolutely, you know, Christmas is filled with mass consumerism and materialism, which, I mean, it's been secularized to the point where study by Martha Grace Reese really actually kind of revelatory. A majority of high school students celebrate Christmas, but don't know the Christian Christmas story. Yeah. So, um, I mean... So we're celebrating Christmas, but it's not being done around Christ or the Christmas story. But I've also yes. heard it put as simple as like a movement against the use of Xmas. Mm-hmm. Um, and I always use X to note in my own just shorthand Christ. I mean, X in Greek is the letter Chi, mm-hmm. which is in Christ's name in Greek. So, you know. Yeah. I've never had an issue with that. But I, I think different people use that phrase in different ways. I agree. I could see it also as a um, as a challenge to this season uh, in America becoming um, more inclusive. Yeah. Uh, and so not just Christmas, but also just happy holidays, you know? Yeah. So, um, uh, so as an example, last night at um, my daughter's... It was her holiday concert. We sang, we sang a lot of ho- uh, winter theme songs. We sang even a couple Hanukkah theme songs. Awesome! Yeah, but it was a winter concert. Yeah. Um, and so I think that that phrase is a is a challenge to um, sometimes trying to get back to our country being solely Christian and not um, the multi-dimensional. Mm. Uh, religious landscape that we are right Not now. making room for other faiths. Yeah. 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 I think if we were much more secure in our own faith, we wouldn't really care mm-hmm. um, as much, frankly. I mean, that's just one guy's opinion on it. But yeah. if we're secure in what we believe and how we live out our faith, then, you know, we don't need to tell other people how to celebrate a day. Yes, I I would agree with you. I would agree with you, and I love that McLaren. He he challenges the kind of warm and fuzzy nature of the Christmas story, mm-hmm. and says, "Ooh, there is so much more to this." Yeah. Um, and let's 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 dive into that. He says, um, and let's not kind of take out all of the mm-hmm. uncomfortable stuff, but let's include it, and actually not include it. Let's make sure we always. Include it. Remember it. Yeah, because how <laughs> central it is to yep. the incarnation. I mean, yep. 
great segue, by the way. Thank well you. Done. Thank you. Very well done. I, I, <laughs> As I you were doing that, I'm like, wow, that's a good one. Well, I kind of saw it lining up, and I said, well, I, I got to jump on that road, <laughs> you know? So let's um, let's first just look at um, the scripture that uh, McLaren is going off of. So Matthew chapter 1, uh, verses 18 through chapter 2, verses 15. This is Matthew's version of Jesus' birth. Mm-hmm. Um, so we've got... Of the four Gospels, only two um, dive into his birth. And Luke and Matthew have are very small similarities. They all kind of go off in different directions. And yeah. Matthew has his own take. Um, uh, and so first, what jumped out at you from Matthew's version of Jesus' birth? Anything in particular? Uh, Matthew's the one who lifts up Joseph. Yeah. Um, Matthew's the one who has the wise men. Yep. And then Matthew's the one who has Herod. Yep. And Luke, yes. Yep. And Luke doesn't have, Luke has Joseph, but not to the degree Not of, the degree of, like, actually Joseph being visited by an angel. Yep. And, and, and Matthew shares, which I thought was interesting, um, that Joseph planned to divorce Mary. Yeah. Well, not divorce, but... They weren't married yet. Just cast her aside. Yes. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. Yes, you're right. You're right. The um, the reading, though, stopped right before the massacre, and I was curious as to that. Mm, I don't think it did. Did it go into the massacre? Yeah, it went through oh, chapter, okay. verse 15 and chapter 2. Oh, my mistake then. And that's in chapter 2, 1 to 12, is the story of, of uh, the Magi. My mistake. Yeah. So... I think, like, at our Christmas services, mm-hmm. we almost never, I can't even remember a time in a Christmas Eve or a Christmas service that we read the story of Herod in the midst of the Incarnation. We, we do sometimes read the story of um, the Magi, but we... Oh, s- we, all, we always read the story of the Magi. That's a good point. But good we stop. Which brings up Herod and his false <laughs> motives. We leave out that part but of the story. But we don't get to the massacre in Bethlehem. Yes. Um, and you know, I think one of the issues with keep Christ in Christmas, one of the issues that I have with that whole saying Mm -hmm. is, you know, we, if we really want to keep Christ in Christmas, we have to understand that Christmas is ultimately, um, anything but a fairy tale. It's anything but a storybook. We, we try and mm-hmm. paint the manger scene, for understandable reasons, but the manger scene with uh, oxen lowing, right? Yep. <laughs> I mean, how beautiful is the language? Yes. And it is beautiful. It's the, There's something beautiful and miraculous about it. I don't mean to take that away. Yep. But this is ultimately a story of God's own humiliation. Mm-hmm. That's what the incarnation is. It is a story of the humiliation of God. God choosing to humiliate God's own self, to, mm. to move from divinity all the way down into humanity. You'd use the word humiliation. Uh, yeah, okay. Yeah. Well, I, I use that. It, it might be a little hyperbole, but it, it's to get our, it's, it's to try and encom- encapsulate or encompass the enormity of this thing that we're trying to make this sweet and little you know, fairy book story that's actually anything but. It's radical. Yep. It is, um, 
it is meant to turn the world completely upside down yep. by the almighty God becoming the all-dependent infant. Yeah. Right? And it's just anything but a fairy tale or a storybook. It's revolutionary. It's radical. And as Herod reveals, it's incredibly divisive and violent. Correct. Yeah. It's, I, just, not a, it's just not a fairy tale. I guess I was seeing a distinction between... Humility and humiliation, and humiliation is even a step further than humility. Um, uh, but I can, I could get there with humiliation too. Um, uh, when you're kind of lining up what you what you perceive a god would be and do um, it, to come in the form of an of a innocent, defenseless baby. Yeah. Um, in a, in who's underneath the, the arm of a massive superpower, mm-hmm. um, I could get the humiliation. It's just a strong word. It is I, a strong I've, word. I've never and I've never I've never used it before. Thinking about I've used humility all the time because that is um, uh, common humiliation. Ooh, it's a strong word. It is. I, I, st- I also don't mean to imply that it's not in God's nature to do this. It clearly is. Mm-hmm. God is a humble God. God mm-hmm. yep. loves us enough to become one of us for us, you know, not to dictate power over us, but to show us what love and true power look like and how much, you know, Brian has a line in here. He came not to lord power over us, but to heal and empower us. Yep. Mm-hmm. So, uh, through our own human perspective, though, you know, um, the master becoming the servant, the teacher becoming the student. Um, uh, it's, uh, I'm not going to, the biblical language is slave and, you know, like a slave owner becoming slave, the, the master becoming the indentured servant. I mean, that, that's essentially what is happening. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't necessarily think God is humiliated, but I think through our own human perspectives and prisms, I think humanity can't help but to look at it as a humiliation. Mm-hmm. Yep. So there's a huge exchange. So God, the powerful, becomes yeah um, uh, becomes the vulnerable. Um, yeah. So when I uh, just get back to the original, so when I see those like keep Christ and Christmas, I'm just always curious as to what what does this sign actually mean to the person who who has it either on their car or in their yard or, mm-hmm. and it's not that I I don't agree that we want to keep Christ and Christmas, but it's I'm I'm just always curious as to what it means. Is it is it an Xmas versus Christmas? Is mm-hmm. it a thing against consumerism? Is it a thing against um, holiday, uh, happy holidays instead of Merry Christmas. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, because ultimately, when I th- just personally, when I think about keeping Christ in Christmas, it's about humility and servanthood. And if we're really going to keep Christ in Christmas, think about what this means. Think about what God becoming human means. Mm-hmm. Yep. Anyway, I'm off my soapbox. <laughs> Sorry. Well said. Well said. Um, uh, yeah, so also for me with with uh, Matthews uh, chapter one and two, I'm I'm always uh, I'm always somewhat shocked when I think about the wise men or the magi as these astrologers that really were not 
um, that were not from Israel. They were not Jewish, um, and that they're coming to um, they're coming to pay their respects and bow down and worship. Um, Does scholarship know where they're from? Uh, I don't. They have they have they have guesses, but I have no idea no, after yeah. that. You know, um, yeah. So it's it's just been. I've wanted to keep when I when I read this story to keep to almost remove the wise men phrase because it just doesn't doesn't give the the, the depth of what um, of how on the outside of the Jewish story these astrologers were. It's a great point, you know, um, and how from the very beginning Gentiles are in on this. Absolutely, they're there. Yeah. <laughs> yes, they're there, and they're also. They're there at weeks after the birth of Christ, right? Yeah, well said. Weeks after. And so in our crash scenes, we, we, will, we will read the scripture Christmas Eve. We have them all there, this one kind of night. No, they, they were there weeks, if not years, I've read. It, oh, wow. It would take them a long time to travel the distance. Jesus could have been a little boy at that time. Um, Man, that star was up there for a while. <laughs> I guess so. <laughs> I guess so. Yeah. Um, that makes a world of sense, though. Yeah, it does. Yeah. I've never thought about they it. They weren't that just, way. it wasn't all coalescing all at one. <laughs> You're not getting in the minivan and driving <laughs> over to Bethlehem. You know? It's <laughs> I know. Um, and that's a great point. We think of the shepherds and the wise men arriving together, and they certainly didn't. No, no. And then just the the, the horror of those in in Bethlehem in in this story. Unspeakable violence. Yep. Of and 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 Brian says those, which would be accurate, uh, those in Bethlehem and around Bethlehem in the vicinity, to having the um, the the thought of having Roman guards come in and. Uh, kill. Simply take and kill your baby. Uh-huh. It's just a hmm, horrific thought. We can't even process it. Um, and yet, in some ways we can, because that's the world we live in at times. Well, Brian also did a phenomenal job. You know, we think that, oh, this could never happen uh-huh. in our world, right? Mm-hmm. And And he does a phenomenal <laughs> job connecting it to yep. today's wars. People are living much longer than they did in the ancient era. So, um, he says it's essentially the same thing. Uh, he said he doesn't even know when he write, when he's writing this book what the next war will be, but inevitably, mm-hmm. it will be powerful mm-hmm. men yep. from comfy offices, secure offices, mm-hmm. making decisions based on maintaining their own power. Mm-hmm. Right, sending children. We don't. 18 to 22 years old, young largely. I mean, yep. They're young adults. But mm-hmm. within the within the percentage of life that they have lived, yep. right, they're still kids, sending them off to war, and mothers continue to weep mm-hmm. because the state, the empire, whatever, whatever that is, yep. is deciding that violence is the way of power. Yep. And I loved, loved, loved on the bottom of page 72 how he says, you know, um, Herod and Pharaoh before Herod model one way. Violence is simply one tool of maintaining power. Mm-hmm. 
but the baby whom Herod seeks to kill will model another way. His tool, the way he wields power, right? Yep. Will be service, yep. not violence. Yep. And his goal will not be gaining and maintaining power, but using his power to empower others. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Man, Brian has a way of just, wow. Well, and he does it again where he he challenges the, um, uh, this happened exactly as it was written, um, or it didn't, and I need to throw this story out. And says, there's a third way. Yeah. You know, there's something deeper besides, did this happen or did this not happen? He's pulling this thread throughout the entire Bible so yeah. far, which is excellent. Um, and, he, and he names yeah. it. He says, you know, some scholars wonder if this if this Even actually happens. happened because yeah. there's no other documentation of it happening in in literature and records. Um, and though, but he does say, but... If, it, if Bethlehem was a small town and there might have been anywhere from a dozen to 15 kids mm-hmm. killed, then it might not have been recorded. recorded. So it could have happened. Yeah. You know? And it's not like leaders don't hide their, Absolutely. their mass killings even today as horrifically Absolutely. the world continues. Absolutely. To yep. Yep. However, there's something deeper going on here. Yeah. Um, and... Uh, I liked again just the the chap the paragraph above what you just said. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, he says the story um, of Herod tells us once again that the world can't be simply divided between the good guys, us, and the bad guys, them. Because like Herod, members of us will behave no differently from them, given the power and provoke. Prov- provocation. Mm-hmm. So all the people face the same profound questions. How will we manage power? How mm. will we deal with violence? And that leads right into what you just talked yeah. about. Um, and the question really can't be asked until we're faced with giving up our own power. Yeah. Yeah. And so as as straight white men, mm-hmm. uh, let's go a step for as straight white middle class American citizen men, mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Um, we might not think we wield tremendous power, but the truth is, we don't face discrimination mm-hmm. on almost. I can't think of a single front on which we would face discrimination. Not our race. Not our gender. Mm-hmm. Right now, not our age. Um, yeah. Not our socioeconomic status. Mm-hmm. We there is power with that mm-hmm. when you don't when the system opens its doors to you right mm-hmm. we don't we're not faced with giving up any power so the question is i think to those with power are you willing to give up some of your privilege or some of your power so yep. that those without can have some yep Brian says at the end, or towards the end, he says, to walk the road with Jesus is to withhold consent and cooperation from the powerful and to invest it instead with the vulnerable. Mm-hmm. It's to refuse to bow to all the Herods and all their ruthless regimes and to reserve our loyalty for a better king and a better kingdom. Amen. Yeah. So to Brian, that's what keeping Christ on Christmas looks like. Yep. I liked the very end. He he's the last paragraph. He's done it now for a couple chapters. He's taken this idea of the candles we light Advent candles. at Advent and yeah. just give them a little twist, he sure has. Uh, which I've liked. So I'm gonna 
end with what he says. In this Advent season, we dare to believe that God feels their pain and comes near to bring comfort. If we believe that is true, then of course we must join God and come near too. That is why we must keep Herod and the ugliness of this mass murder in this beautiful Christmas story. Mm. I missed the very beginning where I actually talked about the candle. Sorry about that. Um, so we, Sorry, he says, So let us light a candle for the children who suffer in our world because of greedy, power-hungry, and insecure elites. Let us light a candle for grieving mothers who weep for lost sons and daughters throughout history and today. Let us light a candle for all people everywhere to hear their weeping. Mm. Yeah. It's given me <laughs> a different way to or another way to look at the candles we light on Sunday. Amen. Um, yes, uh, hope and love and joy and peace. Um, but in the same way, kind of lining up with the prophets beforehand. Um, we should have done that for worship this year. That would have been awesome. That is something we should think about for a future year. Um, it it just gives it a different a different feel to it. And it, it, and it gets to what he's talking about of keeping Herod and Christmas. Yeah. It, it gives it this, it takes this Christmas story that we love, that is beautiful, Amen. but is more than it is waiting for a baby to be born. So much more than that. Well said. You can find us at, TowsonPress.org on Facebook and Instagram at Towson Press. We've got worship 8, 30, and 10. But this Sunday, December 15th, we are uh, um, just one 10 a.m. service. Christmas Eve, 4 o'clock, 8 o'clock, 10 o'clock. Yep. All right. We'll see you next time. I'm Ravi's Joel. <laughs>